Hey there, bookworms. Angela Bowen, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House Full House Fuller House podcast, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, and Looking Back at My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I'm giving to you the books I read for October, as in Spooky Reads Month of 2022. So, kicking things off, even though this book I finished at the end of September, I'm still counting it as a spooky read, because that's what it is being advertised as on Goodreads. Alright, first up, Dead Flip by Sarah Farazan. This book came out August 30th, 2022. And I remember getting this book in Barnes & Noble. I just saw it. I'm like, I'm getting this book. I was a kid of the 80s and a kid of the 90s. So I kind of had my childhood in both decades. Okay, here's the synopsis. Edge of Your Seat YA Horror, perfect for fans of Stranger Things. Growing up, Corey, Maz, and Sam were inseparable. Best friends. They were inseparable best friends, sharing their love for Halloween, arcade games, and one another. Now, it's 1992, Sam has been missing for five years, and Corey and Maz aren't speaking anymore. How could they? How could they be? When Corey is sure Sam is dead and Maz thinks he may have been kidnapped by a supernatural pinball machine. These days, all Maz wants to do is party, buy CDs at Sam Goody, and run away from his past. Meanwhile, Corey is a homecoming queen, hiding her abiding love of horror movies and her queer self under the bubblegum veneer of a high school queen bee. But when Sam returns, still 12 years old, while his best friends are now 17, Maz and Corey are thrown back together to solve the mystery of what really happened to Sam the night he went missing. Beneath the surface of that mystery lurk Beneath the surface of that mystery lurk secrets the friends never told one another, then and now. And Sam's is the darkest of all. Award winning author of If You Could Be Mine and Here to Stay, Sarah Farazan delivers edge of your seat terror as well as her trademark referential humor, witty narration, and insightful characters. I gave this book a 5 out of 5 stars. The rating currently on Goodreads is 3.58, which it's a little low. But I overall, I liked it. Yes, there are some parts where the story felt a little slow. And then, like, the last maybe 50 pages or, like, 30 pages, everything got amped up for the buildup and the end of the book. So, but I, if she writes a sequel to this, I would definitely be down to read this book. I definitely would. All right, moving on to the start of October with Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Cesar, C-E-S-A-R-E. I apologize if I mispronounce the name. So I gave this book a 3 out of 5 stars. Clown in a Cornfield came out August 25th, 2020. So the day 
after my 38th birthday. And the thing is, I tried to get into this after I bought it around October of 2020. I didn't get that far into it, and I set it down for a while. And then I packed it away where I couldn't get to it. And then I was in Barnes & Noble, I'm like, okay, well, the new one's out. Let me go get a paperback copy of Clown in a Cornfield, since Clown in a Cornfield 2 for <laughs> just came out. So I did. I got past the point that I stopped it of the first book, and I just kept going. Let me say I would not read that right before bedtime. It's basically a horror movie in book form. There is gore, there is horror, there is... <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to read the synopsis. Quinn Maybrook just wants to make it until graduation. She might not make it to morning. Quinn and her father moved to tiny, boring Kettle Springs, Missouri to find a fresh start. But ever since the Bay Pen corn syrup factory shut down, Kettle Springs has cracked in half. On one side are the adults, who are desperate to make Kettle Springs great again. And on the other are the kids, who want to have fun, make prank videos, and get out of Kettle Springs as quick as they can. Kettle Springs is caught in a battle between old and new, tradition and progress. It's a fight that looks like it will destroy the town, until Friendo, the Bay Pen mascot, a creepy clown in a pork pie hat, goes homicidal and decides that the only way for Kettle Springs to grow back, to grow back is to cull the rotten crop of kids who live there now. Uh, yeah. The, this book just... <sighs> But I, I would definitely, of course, being a YA book, I would definitely recommend it on the higher end, like 16 and older, because there is quite a bit of gore, there's language. All right, moving on to one of my favorite middle grade scary book authors, The Girl in White by Lindsay Curry. This book came out September 6th, 2022. I love her books. I look forward to them. She usually releases a book a year, which is great. And it's always right around fall time, so early September. All right. Sweet Molly once lived in Eastport. Sweet. There needs to be commas in these Goodreads things here because... I keep having to stop and go back because it's basically all one long run on sentence. Let me start again. Sweet Molly once lived in Eastport. Sweet Molly once loved the sea. Sweet Molly lost Liam to the shadows. Now Sweet Molly is coming for ye. Mallory hasn't quite adapted to life in her new town of Eastport yet. Maybe it's because everyone is obsessed with keeping the town's reputation as one of the most haunted places to visit. And thanks to the nightmares she's been having since arriving, Mallory is having a hard time sleeping. Combined with the unsettling sensation of being watched and losing chunks of time, she's worried that maybe the ghost story she's been quick to dismiss might actually be real. 
When Mallory has a terrifying encounter with the same old woman from her dreams, she's not sure what to do. With Aceport gearing up to celebrate the anniversary of their first recorded legend, Mallory is forced to investigate the one legend she always secretly been afraid of. Sweet Molly. So, a couple things. I did, of course, rate this book a 5 out of 5 because I just love the author. And the story was good, too. There were quite a bit of problems as far as pacing. There were spots where it dragged on. There were different elements that were coming on into the story that just kind of confused everything. And I'm like, kind of like not knowing, like, what direction are we going in? Like, for example, with the old lady that Mallory is scared of. And then there's supposed to be Sweet Molly the Ghost supposedly haunting this this town. Her Liam is her Sweet Molly's brother. He was a sailor or worked on a ship, went out to sea in a really bad storm, never made it back home. So the town celebrates Sweet Molly and the fact that her brother ne never made it back. And just, and just, well, it's more of celebrating Sweet Molly's revenge on the town and, and, and everything. And Mallory's parents moved from, I believe, Chicago to... I think it's Maine or Massachusetts. See, now I'm forgetting already. And the book, the description does not give a whole lot in regard to. But I believe it's it's a fishing town. So it's got to be either Maine or Massachusetts. I mean, I'm thinking Maine. I'm thinking it's got to be Maine or Massachusetts. But anyway, Mallory's parents run this old restaurant that is right near the cemetery and Mallory's parents welcome out-of-towners people will come from out of town to out of the state out of the state to come and visit this place they'll go out of their way to come visit all the touristy shops they live and die by this ghost haunting this is how they make their money during the tourist season Basically, it's a year-long thing. But anyway, her parents run this restaurant. Her mom is really big on getting the guests all wound up and freaked out with her storytelling of the legend of Sweet Molly. And Mallory's dad is an amazing cook. And they have all these spooky names for either, like, mashed potatoes or a chocolate cake or... Just making things like either into skeletons or coffins or this or that. And that's that's how they make their their business. And the thing is, it just... I mean, Mallory has not been there. I don't even think it's been a year. And she's having issues with sleeping at night. And she meets a next-door neighbor who's also new to the area, who also is having issues sleeping at night. And it... She gets a couple of her other friends on board at this 
school, this very expensive, exclusive school that costs a lot of money, and that's why her parents are running this restaurant, so that way the money all goes so Mallory can stay in this fancy school. She's a photographer. It's basically like a performing arts school. There's photography, there's art, there's all different types of stuff. And... I apologize for saying and and um constantly, guys. I do. But it just, it, it really felt like, I mean, the story's good. It's just the writing a little bit. It's just a little all over the place here and there. And it just, it felt like, in a way, it kind of dragged the story. It was just really, really drawn out to, like, about the last, I'd say, 20 pages where everything just ramps up because you got to get to the main end of the story where it's a big it's like the big day where all the businesses get together and welcome and celebrate this sweet Maui ghost celebration this like the I guess the ghost story is she was so hurt that her brother was lost at sea that the people of the town, and this happened, like, in the 1800s, I believe, and the town was just like, oh, no, your brother has to go out and get fish for all of us or something like that. I don't And he just, and it was really foggy that night, and he just could not find his way back in the storm. And sweet Molly loved her brother so much, and just the fact that the town was just so adamant, like, no, he has to go out there. And then she basically cursed the town. Legend has it, of course. But she cursed the town, and then she moved away. Or, well, moved, died. There's so many There's so many speculations about Sweet Molly. So many different variations of stories of this legend and stuff. I mean, who, who knows really what to believe. But that's how the small town makes its money. And overall, yes, I did like it. I love the author. I just feel that... Like, even with uh, What Lives in the Woods, I think that was a book that came out last fall, and how I, I liked that book. But I just felt, again, it's like the the whole, the mystery behind it just didn't feel like it lived up to what it was building towards. And I feel in a way kind of like this one also feels like it ramped up, and it's just like, oh, that's it? I mean, only, I mean, if I had to choose, he's got four books out now. There's <laughs> Peculiar Incident on Shady Street. There's Scritch Scratch. There's What Lives in the Woods, and there is her newest one, The Girl in White. The first two are my favorite, all-time favorites. I will, I will read them again one day. And I'm not saying I won't read the other two one day, but they don't live up to the build-up as much as these other ones just were just so amazing. So I would say the first two great, the last two that she's done were so-so. They're definitely worth a read, definitely check them out, but I, I guess I could even go on saying as far as those two last Lindsay Curry books, the Girl in White and What Lives in the Woods. I wanted more. I expected more, and I didn't feel like 
I, I got what I wanted towards the end. In a way, it kind of makes me think with Catherine Arden and the Small Spaces books, whereas the first book was amazing. The second book, eh. The third book, we don't talk about that because it, to me that I just did not like it at all. Fourth book, completely the last in the series, totally right up there with the first book. Loved it. Loved it. A great bookend to the series. Will the author go and revisit these characters one day? I don't know. I wouldn't mind it. But I think if we had to get the not-so-great third book to get the amazing fourth book, I, I am happy with that. I am happy with that. I mean, the second book, Dead Voices, isn't bad, but just coming off the first book, Small Spaces, and I, I think in a way that the same thing goes with, like, movies, like sequels sometimes. It's like, they suffer from second book syndrome or the what was there's another term for it second book syndrome uh sophomore no sophomore slump I don't know if that really applies but second book syndrome dead voices definitely would fit in that category so so far I've read two young adult books Dead Flip, Clowning and Cornfield, then one middle grade, The Girl in White. The next two books here that I'm going to talk about are adult fiction. And then, of course, the last one I'll talk about is YA. And then after I'm done with that, I will kind of go into how my reading habits are starting to change. So let's jump into My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix, this book was made into a movie on Amazon Prime. I tried to watch like five minutes of it and I could not get into it. I've heard it's horrible. And I'm like, I definitely agree. Coming off just having read the book, yeah, it's not good. My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. This book came out May 17th, 2016. It's got a 3.97. I gave it a five out of five. And I read this one in the middle of October. Abby and Gretchen have been best friends since fifth grade when they bonded over a shared love of E.T. roller skating parties and scratch and sniff stickers. See, this book is set in the 80s. It goes from 82 to 88, so it goes over the course of five years. I mean six years, excuse me. But when they arrive at high school, things change. Gretchen begins to act different. And as the strange coincidences and bizarre behavior start to pile up, Abby realizes there's only one possible explanation. Gretchen, her favorite person in the world, has a demon living inside her. And Abby is not about to let anyone or anything come between her and her best friend. With help from some unlikely allies, Abby embarks on a quest to save Gretchen. But is their friendship powerful enough to beat the devil? I definitely liked this book. It definitely had me had some squeamish gross scenes. One in particular towards the end with another character, a friend of um, Gretchen and Abby's. And that's all I'm going to say because bleh, I'm still, it's very gag inducing. <laughs> okay, the next book, of course, also by Grady Hendrix. This is the Final Girl Support Club. Uh, support group. This is 
came out July 13th, 2021. So the book's been out for over a year. It's got a 3.56. I rated it five stars. I did not anticipate towards the end of the book that really uh, flipped it on its head. All right, here we go. A fast-paced, thrilling horror novel that follows a group of heroines to die for from the brilliant New York Times bestselling author of The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. I have not read that one yet. I think I'm going to maybe hold off till next October. We'll see. In horror movies, the final girl is the one who's left standing when the credits roll. The one who fought back, defeated the killer, and avenged her friends. The one who emerges bloodied but victorious. Victorious, but after the sirens fade and the audience moves on, what happens to her? What happens to her? Lynette Tarkington is a real-life final girl who survived a massacre 22 years ago, and it has defined every day of her life since. And she's not alone. For more than a decade, she's been meeting with five other actual final girls and their therapist in a support group for those who survived the unthinkable putting their lives back together piece by piece. That is until one of the women misses a meeting and Lynette's worst fears are realized. Someone knows about the group and is determined to take their lives apart again, piece by piece. But the thing about these final girls is that they each know, they each, is that they have each other now. And no matter how bad the odds, how dark the night, how sharp the knife, they will never, ever give up. I definitely like this book. It definitely uh, gross out creep, <laughs> squirmy feelings and some scenes that was just like, uh. so definitely, I mean, again, this is another book. Don't read it before bedtime. I'm not saying I had nightmares from these books, but uh, if you want to sleep with the light off, <laughs> read the book during the daytime <laughs> when it's light out. But I definitely liked it. Uh, Grady Hendrix does have another book coming out in 2023. But of course, the last book I read, and I just finished it last night because I was determined, like, I got to get this done. And boy, oh boy, did I give this a one star rating. Clown in a Cornfield 2. Spoiler alert, Prendo lives. Now, if you have not read the first book, you know, I'm not even going to read the synopsis because if you haven't read the first book, I've pretty much already given it away by the little subtitle, Friendo Lives. This book came out August 23rd, 2022. So the day before, the, the second book came out the day before my birthday. The first book came out the day after. How crazy is that? So going back to Grady Hendrix real quick. He does have a new book coming out. How to Sell a Haunted House. Oh, it comes out in January. That's awesome. That is really great. <laughs> so I'm going to read this real quick, even though I haven't read it yet. Just if you've read Brady Hendrix's other books. If you read How to uh, the Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires... Email me at one of my podcast emails or hit me up on the Facebook podcast pages too and just say whether you liked it or not. Your past and your family can haunt you like nothing else. A hilarious and terrifying new novel from the New York Times bestselling author of the Final Girl Support Club group. I keep saying club, it's not club. 
Every childhood home is haunted and each of us are possessed by our parents. When the parents when their parents die at the tail end of the coronavirus pandemic. Oh wow, they're putting that in there. Okay. Louise and Mark Joyner are devastated, but nothing can prepare them for how bad things are about to get. The two siblings are almost totally estranged and couldn't be more different. Now, however, they don't have a choice but to get along. The virus has passed, and both of them are facing bank accounts ravaged by the economic breakdown. Their one asset, their childhood home. They need to get it on the market as soon as possible because they need the money. Yet, before her parents died, they taped newspaper over the mirrors and nailed shut the attic door. Sometimes we feel like puppets controlled by our upbringing and our genes. Sometimes we feel like our parents treat us like toys or playthings or even dolls. The past can ground us, teach us, and keep us safe. It also can trap us and bind us and suffocate the life out of us. As disturbing events stack up in the house, Louise and Mark have to learn that sometimes the only way to break away from the past, sometimes the only way to sell a haunted house is to burn it all down. Wow, that definitely looks like a good book. Okay, now that I've finished my spooky reads for October, what I wanted to say about how my reading changed tape. I'm sorry, it's after 5 o'clock. <clears throat> um, I'm going to be having dinner soon, so. Okay. So, my reading tastes are changing. As you clearly could tell, I read like one middle grade book over the month of October. And it's not because I dislike middle grade anymore. Like, I don't want to read that anymore. I want to read these. It's just my tastes are changing now. I am getting back more into YA and adult books. And I still have plenty of middle grade books, but I think, I mean, if there's something out there like, like, oh, I really want to read that middle grade, I'll read it. But, um, for the most part, it's just, I'm kind of getting back into, into YA and I just, and I will cover this in my end of the year, uh, books I read covering September, November and December and pretty yeah pretty much it's just YA mysteries ever since I read last last fall I read the how to, or a good girl's guide to murder and I really got hooked on that and that's a trilogy it's out you can check it out at the library you can buy it at any Target or Walmart or bookstore or whatever that that's probably the first mystery YA mystery that I read, but something clicked inside me. I'm like, I like this. This is, I, I just, it, it it's, in, they're intriguing. It just keeps my interest. And, uh, part of, you know, I will always love middle grade. I'll always have my favorites. I still have a whole bunch of middle grade books, but I have been also doing a lot of Unhauling, those of you that have probably listened to one of my podcast updates from when we moved from Michigan to Texas know that we had a big U-Haul filled with a bunch of totes of books. Well, I finally made the decision to unhaul a lot of stuff, mainly a good deal of middle grade that I just, I had had those books for like the last three to five years and I had not touched them. I'm like, it's basically spring cleaning for the fall. And I feel 
I'm not reading them. I don't really have an interest in this subject anymore. So donating them to the library where people can buy them for like what a dollar or two bucks tops. I've also donated bags of books to schools so teachers have books for the classroom. The main thing is they're not going to Goodwill. I'm not doing that. It's, I want them to go to people that are going to read them. And Again, there's a library. If there's something out there I want to read, I'll, you know, middle grade wise, I can go to the library too. I, I still have, I'm just keeping the middle grade books that I really, really want to read. And then when I'm done, if it's something I feel I'm not going to reread again, it's going to go to either a school classroom or the library. But either way, these books are going to be read one way or another. If not by me, then by someone else who could really also get something out of them. Right, Quinn? Yeah? Yeah. But, again, as I said, it doesn't mean that I don't like middle grade anymore just because I'm not reading a lot of them. It's just that my tastes are changing, and it, I don't think it has anything to do with age. I just think that it's, it's what I'm into at the moment. Maybe at some point I'll get back into reading middle grade all the time which is cool you know balances it out in a way I at least wanted to get my spooky reads of October 2022 the podcast episode out for you guys to be able to check out from as of November I am going to pretty much be reading the majority is going to be all up all straight up Christmas books <laughs> I am ready. I am excited. I've been listening to Christmas music at work because my job is actually going under a renovation right now. And when I move down to the main level of the place, I'm not going to be able to listen to music anymore while I work. And making pizzas, I kind of, it, it helps me. So I'm going to have to get used to not but I'm like, hey, I didn't get to listen to Christmas music last year because I wasn't working with pizza, wasn't making pizzas. But now I'm like, yeah, I know I'm getting into Christmas early because I know after this week we'll be down on the main floor level. So, yeah, I hope you all have a great start to your week, especially now after tomorrow, 31st, because the day is the 30th. We're going to be in November. We are almost done with 2022, and what a year it has been. I look forward to 2023. Good things, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. As you know, if you've been listening to my podcast, the Full House podcast, the Full House portion of it will be ending at the end of 2023, at the end of next year. And then 2024, I'm going to be wrapping up the podcast with... Fuller House, and I have 30 plus episodes, so it's going to take me the majority of the year. And then from there, yeah, I got some, I got some ideas in mind. Actually, I've been noticing on YouTube they have been putting some Full House promos, and I would love to check those out and go over those. That could definitely be a bonus episode. There are also some PSA Full House shorts, so those I definitely want to do a bonus episode out of those. So, again, I hope you guys find some really good reads with uh, what I've read for the month of October. It seems like I have been lately, uh, 
Usually I get out at least four to five, sometimes even six books in a month, which is really, really good for me. So, yeah, I read more books than I really watched uh, spooky movies this year. I mean, I read my, watch my main ones that I watch, like Cujo and, um, forgot what the other one was I normally watch, but, um, yeah, I mainly just read. I, I like that for a change. It actually was kind of funny because I actually watched a non-Halloween movie, which you can watch whatever you want during the, doesn't mean, oh, it's October, you can only watch spooky movies and stuff, but I watched Big. And I love that. And I will, I promise, cover that for the podcast. That will mo- mainly be on the Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast because of certain su- uh, subjects in the movie. So look forward to that. All right, everyone. Again, I hope you had a great October. I hope you find some great reads with what I recommended to you. And have a great start to November. Bye-bye, everyone.